Welcome to Planet 8. Every two weeks, the crew at Planet 8 Podcast explores the many worlds of science fiction, fantasy, superheroes, monsters, and more. We cover the latest movies and TV shows, as well as old favorites, too. Yeah, like Planet of the Apes. It's a man A man Hey, guys, don't forget Star Trek. Fascinating. Or classic monsters like King Kong, Creature from the Black Lagoon, or Godzilla. If it's nerdy or geeky, we'll probably be talking about it. So why don't you tune in and check us out? You can find us on iTunes or other fine podcast providers. Come join the conversation at our website, planet8podcast.blogspot.com. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook. This is Planet 8 Podcast, signing off. End transmission. Lord Bloodraw's Nerve Rackin' Auditorium is made possible by Lord Bloodraw's Patreon supporters. Information at patreon.com slash lordbloodraw. You can also help support the show by going to anchor.fm slash lordbloodraw slash support. Thank you. Ah, I'm so glad you're here. Allow me to introduce myself. I am Lord Bloodraw. I host horror and science fiction films on my TV series, Lord Bloodraw's Nerve Rack and Theater, but here, in this cool, intimate darkness, I'll be presenting tales of horror and the uncanny solely for you, alone. In this auditorium within your mind, you will coalesce the settings and the players from the ether of your imagination, your terror will be your own creation. This is the sorcery of sound, the subtle magic of old-time radio horror. at the door. You will not need them. This is Lord Bloodraw's Nerve Rackin' Auditorium. There are those who step quietly through life whose only wish is for a peaceful, gentle existence. They bear the thousand slights and impositions the world can inflict with forbearance and, to smooth things further, perhaps a submissive smile. They wish nothing but to exist in peace, and not to harm or be harmed by anyone. But everyone has their limits, and when these quiet ones are pushed beyond theirs, they exact a heavy price. Speaking of price, our story tonight stars Mr. Vincent Price, and a fellow icon of horror cinema, Mr. Peter Cushing. 
Here from Vincent Price's The Price of Fear comes the tale, The Man Who Hated Scenes. The Price of Fear. Brought to you by Vincent Price. Train trips fascinate me. How about you? If the answer is yes, then this story, which I have chosen to call The Man Who Hated Scenes, might well appeal to you. Indeed, for some of you listening, even the notion of making a long train journey across the United States will conjure up a world of limitless possibilities. The world seems yours for the asking. Right from that first whistle blow, right from the first shudder as the giant locomotive grips the tracks and pulls its human cargo away from the commonplace and the familiar towards the romantic and the unknown. Others of you, of course, might prefer to regard such a journey as simply a, a respite, a period of temporary seclusion, a chance to simply sit and think. My own inclinations vary, and I suspect come somewhere in between. In any event, in the diner of a train speeding across the States or in the kitchen of my own home, I have always considered conversation at breakfast as something of a chore. And so it was, as I watched the little man coming towards me, my feelings were a mixture of resentment and dismay. His voice proved as tentative and deferential as his general demeanor. You, um, you won't mind if I share your table? The fact that the rest of the diner was still completely empty and the stranger seemed perfectly prepared for me to refuse ultimately made no difference to my polite reply. Will you? Oh, no, please do. I'd be glad for the company. Oh, many thanks. Insomnia, don't you know? I've been a martyr to it all my life. Oh, I'm sorry mm. about that. But still, it's nice to know I'm not going to be the only one for breakfast this early. Oh? Yes, when I came in a few minutes ago, the dining car attendant looked as though he'd just got out of his pajamas <laughs> and could certainly see no reason why I wasn't still in mine. That he... He wasn't angry, was he? Well, let's just say not your usual service with a smile. I see. You, uh, you must forgive my asking. It's just that I could perfectly well come back later if it were more convenient for them. Well, there's no point in making us there. I do so hate scenes. He glanced nervously away as the same sleepy waiter approached us from the service area. He gave his order in an apologetic, hardly audible voice. Just coffee and lightly scrambled eggs, please. Are you going all the way to New York? Mm hmm? Oh, much further, much further. I'm traveling on the QE2. We embark on Thursday. Oh, home to England then? Oh, no, no, not for a long time yet. Uh, Cherbourg first, then the Sun, the Riviera perhaps, Italy, the Greek islands. I haven't made up my mind. Oh, I do envy you. Then you shouldn't. No? No, it's just a case of doctor's orders. 
my nerves, you know. It's any kind of excitement to be avoided at all costs. Yes. Yes, I do understand. I think you really do. For some unknown reason, I'm, I'm sure you do. So, my, my friend, you can imagine the kind of state I got myself into when I discovered my wife was being unfaithful to me, can't you? Your... your wife? Uh, Marilyn. So beautiful, so very, very beautiful. Oh, but perhaps you'd care to judge for yourself. I just happen to have... It. It's only a snapshot, but it doesn't do her justice, really. But, oh, yes, here, here we are. It was taken at the side of the pool, don't you know? Our pool. It's very impressive. <laughs> Marilyn loved that pool. I'd accepted and studied the photograph. Yes, the girl was certainly beautiful. There was no denying that fact. Even though the photographer had caught her just on the point of emerging from the pool, her charms were not only obvious, but a trifle too obvious. I ordered scrambled eggs, didn't I? What? Yes, yes, I'm sure you did, but they've brought you fries. So bad for the digestion, don't you know? Oh, well, these things are sent to try us. Oh, nothing of the kind. I'll ring for the service. No, no, please don't. I do so hate scenes, you see. Please. Well, just as you wish. Thank you. I suppose it's fortunate for me. I've never been short of money. It really is a wonderful insulator, old man. It protects me from all kinds of anxieties the average man can't avoid. It's probably why I've never objected when I've been overcharged or anything like that. Far easier to pay up. Remain calm. Hmm? Mm. You, uh, you were telling me about your, your wife. Marilyn. Oh, yes. Beautiful. So beautiful. The most beautiful creature I've ever seen, or I'm ever likely to see. I, I thought so right from the very beginning. Where was that? Mm -hmm. It was at a resort in Florida. She was a swimmer before our marriage, almost made the Olympic team. Did she really? Yes, really. Anyway, she was doing some exhibition dives from the high board into the hotel pool. She was wearing a white bathing suit. I remember seeing her poised high above me. She seemed a positive goddess incarnate. Diana turned mermaid instead of huntress. Uh, does that um, sound fanciful? No. No, not at all. I didn't think it would, to you. I, I never thought I was in with much of a chance, though. She was a good 20 years younger and always in the company of half a dozen bronzed Apollos. But, well, we just seemed to hit it off right from the start. The difference in age didn't seem to matter. <laughs> uh, a case of mind over matter. I, I suppose you could put it like that. In any event, within a month, Marilyn and I became husband and wife and were off on our honeymoon. We were so very happy... And afterwards, you, you returned home. Home? It's a, it's a big Spanish type of place just outside Santa Barbara. A truly beautiful spot. I don't think I ever wanted to leave that house ever again. It gave me the seclusion and peace my nerves required. I had everything I ever wanted. Mm. And uh, Marilyn? Oh, for a long time, she loved the place too. We'd splash about in our pool every day, and often I'd just lie in the sun and watch her diving. 
and <laughs> sometimes, yes, sometimes we'd send the servants away for the day, and uh, if you'll pardon the expression, we'd swim in the nude. <laughs> well, it was genuinely idyllic, my friend, in an age when all the graciousness seems to have gone out of life. Idyllic. So much so that when it finally came, Marilyn's outburst took me completely by surprise. What's so surprising about it, for God's sake? And you needn't think I'm so dumb as to not realize what you're getting out of this setup either. Getting out of getting, this setup? Yes. This place, miles from anywhere, perched on the edge of nowhere. Well, it exactly suits your ends, doesn't it? I thought you liked the house. A rich, eccentric, middle-aged recluse, comfortably ensconced in his 20-bedroomed ivory tower. I've always felt you shared my preference for the solitary life. But not the godforsaken. I don't understand what you're getting at, Marilyn. Don't you? Really? For a gentleman of your intelligence and breeding, I should have thought it altogether too obvious. However, I'll tell you. Quite simple. Marilyn, dear, do you think you ought to drink so much? You didn't have the guts to stay on here and go it completely alone. So, for once in his life, one hermit ventured forth. He took a little trip into the big outside world with the deliberate intention of trapping a little spouse to keep him company. I've never thought of our marriage as a trap. Ego being what it is, I'm damn sure you haven't. Oh. But take it from me, it was just an arrangement right from the start. An arrangement no. to suit your own ends. I've always tried to put your happiness first. Huh. Happiness? That's a word from the past. But I've given you everything you've ever asked for. Everything. I'll grant you the bait was acceptable enough at first. Bait? Of the very finest quality. There's no denying but bait, Harry. Marilyn, I love you. I still love you. Oh, maybe you do. Enough to go back? Back where? where the arrangement started going wrong. To our original arrangement, Harry. New places, new faces, forever and ever world without end. It is not an arrangement. It never has been. It still is. And shall I tell you something else? It's never going to be anything more, Harry. <laughs> poor Harry. Poor, poor Harry. <laughs> Have some more coffee. Oh, thank you. So, uh, she got her own way then? New places, new faces. If it had been in my power, she would have, she would have got her way. If it had been in my power, I'd have given her anything. Knowing what a person is doesn't necessarily mean you stop loving them, does it? No, I suppose not. So, um, you left the house. Hmm? Oh, no. No, it never came to that. Oh, it was, it, it was what Marilyn had insisted upon and what I'd agreed to. A really long trip abroad. A chance for us to find each other again. Extraordinary how absolute naivety has a charm of its own. But as things turned out, it simply wasn't to be. Oh? Well, on the eve of our departure, I was taken ill, desperately ill. As a, as a result of the quarrel? Well, my doctor called it acute emotional stress. 
You, you see, I've never been able to stand scenes of any kind, and in this case, well, my only defence was a period of total mental withdrawal, a self-inflicted coma, if you like. It went on for a long time, over a month. And then? It refused to go on any longer. Did, well, did Marilyn stand by you? Marilyn? Ah, yes, Marilyn. Marilyn? 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 It's all right. I'm here. I'm here. Oh, dear God. Easy now. You've been ill, Harry. Very ill. Yes. Yes, I, I have been ill, haven't I? I'm so sorry, Marilyn. Oh, shush, shush. The only I'm important so thing now is that you get well again. The doctor's been very worried for you. And you? Did you worry for me too, Marilyn? Oh, yes. I worried. Oh, thank you. Thank you for worrying. Oh, shh. No. No, you were quite right. I, I'd been selfish and thoughtless, thinking only of myself. But I'll... I'll make it up to you. You'll see, I'll, I'll make it all up to you. Of course you will, by simply getting well again. Yes, that's it. Well again. Mm. Yes, and then we'll make that long trip together, eh? Just the two of us, just, just as we've planned to do. Before. No. Pardon? There's not going to be any trip, Harry. Not just yet. Not for a long, long time. Uh, but I thought that was what you, you, you wanted. It was. Well? And then you became sick. And I realized I wanted something else much more. I, I wanted you to get well again. So that we could always be together. Together here, Harry. I wanted this place for just the two of us. I wanted to look after you and care for you here in our own home, Harry. And I decided that the most important thing in the world for me was to make it into a real home. Not some kind of show place. What? Not some kind of domestic hotel either, where everything gets done for you at the press of a button. But I'm, I'm not sure I understand. But... It's perfectly simple. I got rid of the servants, Harry. The servants? You... We never really needed them. Don't you see? It was they that came between us, Harry. Our only real happiness came when we were allowed to be alone together. But how are we going to manage without the... Easily, easily. I've already arranged it all and it's working wonderfully. A woman comes up from town every morning to take care of the heavy work. I can get anything we need by making a phone call and having it delivered. Well, what more do we need? What more can we ask, huh? Nothing, my love. Nothing. Just the two of us. Just the two of you. And tell me, did it work out like that? No. No, not quite like that. Well, how? As the weeks went by and I got steadily stronger, Marilyn thought the occasional change of scene might speed my recovery. Nothing too far afield, mind you, nothing too taxing, just a little jaunt along the coast, the odd picnic in the hills. Well, my nerves being what they are, I've never felt confident enough to drive myself, and Marilyn didn't really feel up to it. We had got rid of my old chauffeur, along with the rest of the staff, and so... And so you engaged another one? 
Marilyn engaged one. His name was Charles. I had no objection to her choice. My own newfound happiness was such that I was scarcely aware of him. What was he like? Charles? Mm. Oh, he was in his mid-twenties, I suppose. I dare say handsome in an obvious sort of way. But as I say, I was, I was hardly aware. Not until that night. The night when... Oh, oh my God. Dear God. Dear God. That night is still with me. I, I woke up with a start from a, a very deep sleep. Hmm. Marilyn had taken care to give me my usual quota of sleeping pills, but for some reason on this particular night, they hadn't done the trick. Perhaps it was meant. Well, for several minutes, I just lay there, perspiring heavily, getting my bearings, aware only of the ticking of the clock. Then I called out for Marilyn. Yes, I, I didn't want to disturb her, but I, I needed another sedative badly. But when she didn't answer, I, I, I got up and went to her room. She wasn't there. At first, I thought she must have got up for something, too, until I saw her bed hadn't been slept in. It was almost four o'clock in the morning. I was a little alarmed, so I, I, I began to look for her. Marilyn? Marilyn? It wasn't until I reached the downstairs living room, which opens onto the patio, that I heard voices. <laughs> I opened the patio doors. The voices were clearer now. My wife and our chauffeur, together at the pool. I understood at once. It was back, and they'd taken the precaution of not turning on the pool light. But I could hear them laughing and talking in low, intimate voices. I heard them climb the steps to the high board and dive together into the deep water. I stood there, heart-sick. The effort to simply hold on to myself was unbearable. My first instinct had been to rush out and confront them, but I, I couldn't bear the thought of such a scene. So instead, I, I waited until they eventually left the pool. They lay together in each other's arms, not ten feet from where I stood. I listened. Why did you ever leave me? Oh, I don't know. I did then. At the time, it seemed the only possible answer. But I know I never stopped loving you, not for a single second. So you sewed out and settled for this instead. Oh. I'm sorry. I didn't mean it to sound like that. I settled for both of us, Chuck. Oh, but you still don't know whether to believe that or not, do you? To believe that I only ever wanted this for us. All along. I don't know what to believe. When I'm lying here with you like this, well, it's just a sharing you with him, I suppose. Seeing you together, 
catching the odd unexpected glimpse of you both in that damn driving mirror. Oh. See him look at you that way, as though you were really his. Seeing him reach out to touch you. Chuck. Seeing you smile back. Seeing you return the touch. Please but don't. worst of all, knowing that though you're lying here with me now, in a little while you'll be gone. Because there's still some part of you that belongs to him. It belongs. It never has. It never can. It, it never will. I wish I could be sure of that. He's a sick man, Chuck. Sicker than he even suspects. A year, two years, a little longer, maybe. But it's not so important, is it? We can wait. Because we know that one day there's only going to be us, Chuck. All this and us. Just the two of us. Just the two of us. Hold me. Hold me close. What did you do? Do? Mm. Oh, the conventional thing, I'm afraid. The next day I engaged a firm of detectives. Make inquiries about Charles. Mm. They only told me what I more or less knew already, that he was a swimmer who teamed up with Marilyn to do exhibition diving the summer before I met her. The rest was obvious. When I became ill, she had sent for him to solace her loneliness, shall we say. Then, as I grew better, she stumbled on the idea of employing him as our chauffeur. You can understand my dilemma. Yes, yes, I, I am beginning to. I was just recovering from a serious nervous illness, a breakdown, a scene, a quarrel would undo the weeks of convalescence. Now, of all times, it was impossible for me to have it out with Marilyn, to send Charles packing, to do what any other man would have done instantly. It was a weakness, but I couldn't overcome it. So? I dissembled. I pretended I knew nothing. I waited. I racked my brains for some way of letting Marilyn know that I knew, and yet avoiding that inevitable scene. Well, did you eventually find a way? Oh, yes. I saw how it could be done, quietly, without any fuss. Tell me about it. Oh. Well, Marilyn wanted to go to the movies in Santa Barbara. I declined, but said Charles should drive her, as I didn't like her to be out on her own at night. She... she saw me to bed and watched me ostensibly taking my sleeping tablets. I heard the car drive away and imagined handsome Charles, Chuck, sitting prudently beside her at the wheel. And after a while, I, I got up. I had plenty of time. Plenty of time for what? To arrange the hint. The hint that would let them know when they got back that I was fully aware of what was happening between them. Oh, go on. It was well after midnight when they got back. Very dark. A hot, sultry night, just the night for a swim. Marilyn didn't even come up to her room, but went with Charles directly to his. And a few minutes later, I heard them laughing softly as they came out and went towards the pool. It was inky dark, but I knew they were climbing the diving tower. The highboard creaked as they stepped out onto it, and creaked again, sharply, as each one dived off into the pool. Marilyn first, then Charles right behind her. Their little game they enjoyed so much. It was too dark to see a foot in front of you, 
But of course, to swimmers of their skill, it made no difference. In fact, I rather imagine it added to their fun. And uh, your hint, did it work? I, I mean, did it break up the affair? Oh, yes. It broke up all right. The affair ended that very night. A truly effective hint, when I finally thought of it. You see, my friend, that evening, as soon as they had left the house, I opened each of the four valves and drained all the water out of the swimming pool. Mm. The man watched me, waited. I could think of nothing to say. After what seemed an eternity of silence between us, the train entered a tunnel. It was like the fall of a curtain. The meek ones, the quiet ones, the ones that look like they couldn't hurt a fly. They are the ones to keep an eye on. They are the ones to treat kindly because they surely won't cause you any harm unless provoked. You must know someone like this, that flinching guy you all made fun of in school, that girl in the office everyone dumps their menial tasks on. They can only take so much. And then... Maybe you should do something nice for that quiet, put-upon person you know, before it's too late. Thank you for joining me in the Nerve Rackin' Auditorium, and I hope you'll come again. But now it's time for you to rejoin the, uh, real world. I am Lord Bloodraw, and I'll be waiting here for you in the shadows of your mind until the next time you seek the darkness. Good night. Lord Bloodraw's Nerve Rackin' Auditorium is only one of the ways Lord Bloodraw helps keep the love of vintage horror and science fiction alive. His long-running TV series, Lord Bloodraw's Nerve Rackin' Theater, presents the best, worst, and wildest horror and science fiction films ever made. And his Patreon-exclusive weekly series, Lord Bloodraw's Cathode Zone, features the best episodes of classic old-time genre television. More information on those at lordbloodraw.com. But you can help Lord Bloodraw spread the love of horror and science fiction and see the exclusive weekly series, Lord Bloodraw's Cathode Zone, by signing up at patreon.com slash lordbloodraw. Thank you.